Amen. Well, I just want to thank you so much for all of your prayers as I've been struggling through sickness here for three, four weeks, and it, uh, I'm getting better, but you guys have done such a good job of, um, of helping me and giving us food that all day today I've been returning jars and things. The, the Schmicks gave me some juice yesterday. Um, Hannah, right? She um, gave me a green concoction that I felt like Popeye eating it. Um, I really felt like Popeye was I was chomping on this kale today. Um, we're, we're selling kale, raising money for Ghana, so that's cool. And then uh, you guys, thank you so much for the chicken noodle soup. Uh, bless you guys. Um, just honestly, thank you guys so much for all that you do for, for my family and for me. Uh, I mean, you, you cannot help but uh, believe and trust that God is alive and well uh, when you're in a place such as this, because I just see him on display and again and again uh, through you guys. So thank you so much. And, and yes, Friends Day is next Sunday. It's only seven days away. I want to encourage you. It, it's one of the best days of the year. I mean, let's just be honest about that. I love Friends Day. It's exciting. And, and as Jeremy said, it's not just an excuse for all of us to get together and have fun going down water slides and, you know, wrestling each other in sumo suits and that kind of thing. It's actually for our friends. And I'd also encourage you in that, that with Friends Day, if you invite them, they will come. And you just kind of got to get over it. If they say no, it doesn't mean they don't like you. It doesn't mean that you smell. They're just saying no. It's okay. So just relax with that. Ask your friends. Some of them will say no, but some of them will say yes. And you know what's really cool about them saying yes? Is that church, I know most of you in this room, church is like this huge part of your life. And yet somehow we don't get to share and, and kind of tell other people about this huge part of our life, right? We don't get to talk to our friends about this amazing part of our life. And Friends Day is kind of one of those opportunities to take that wall down and say, I got some friends and I got a church. And we're going to put the two together and we're going to have a lot of friend, a lot of fun with our friends at church. And so I can't wait. I hope you guys are inviting your friends and it's going to be a great day. Again, invite them. They will come. Well, I want to start off my message this morning with a saying that most of us in this room have heard before. It's just this, that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Have you heard that one before? I'm, I remember the first time I heard someone say that to me, and right away in my heart, I knew it was true. Right away, I knew it was, it was true that God loves me just the way I am, but he also loves me so much. And because of his love for me, he doesn't want me to stay that way. And, and as Holy Spirit-filled believers, many of us in this room are, are, are filled with the Lord and filled with the Spirit. We know this to be true, that God's love, have you noticed, it's always compelling us to move forward. His love is it's always leading us forward, leading us into his plans, leading us into his purposes that he has for our lives. God is always moving us forward into the masterpiece that he has created us to be, always teaching, always convicting, always changing and growing us to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So yes, God loves me just the way I am, but don't you know he loves me too much to let me stay that way? A good way to think of it is this. God is in the business of change. God's spirit is an agent of change. 
Every time the Spirit of God shows up in the Bible, don't you know that something is about to happen? Change is about to happen. You, you see this in the Bible, and you see it throughout history. When the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost, when the Spirit is poured out at the Azusa Street Revivals, when the Spirit is poured out during the Jesus People Movement, when it's poured out during the Charismatic Renewal, when the Spirit of God is poured out, His people change. And this is all because God really, really loves His people, and He loves us enough not to let us stay the same. Out of his great love for us, there's this desire of God, the heart of God, to move us forward, forward, forward into all that he has planned and created for us to do. God changes people. Kind of, right? You could put an asterisk there. God changes those who are willing to change. And he changes us again because he loves us. It's so important to remember. He changes us because he loves us. He moves us forward in the things of God because he loves us. It's important to understand that. God's love, God's love, God's love, God's love. It is the foundation. It is the basis for any, any change that happens in our life, especially for the powerful change that happens in our life. Change happens because of God's love, but don't get confused. God's love doesn't happen because we change, right? We, we got to kind of get that one under our belts. Like, don't try really hard to change like as if changing is this attempt to earn God's love, right? Man, if I just really change, then God's really going to show his love to me. So if, if I fix this thing or if I fix that way or change in this way or change in then that way, oh man, then God is really going to shine on me and he's really going to love me. I actually think a lot of us get into that trap from time to time as Christians, but we just got to understand that's not Christianity. You don't earn the love of God. A good way to think about it, and you might want to write this down, is we change not to receive God's love, but we change because of God's love. Right? We change not to receive his love, but because of his love. Because of his love. And I hope you get this. I hope I get this. God loved you. He loved me by the way, long before any of us were thinking about changing, right? just think about your life outside of Christ. Long before you were thinking about changing, God loves you. God's love came first. And so that saying, the beginning of that saying is true. God loves you just the way I am. God, God loves me just the way I am. God loves you just the way you are. And, and it's true. We don't always feel that way. We, kinda, we love to kind of get under the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. But God's love for you, he, he adores you. He has a passion for you just the way you are today so regardless of what you did last year what you did last month what you did last night what you did this morning he loves you God has a burning passion and desire for you listen to what Romans says it says God demonstrates his love for you for me that while we were still sinners while we were still living it up while we were going down Christ died for us I mean this is love God demonstrates this love for us for me for you even while we were sinners, even while we were hostile toward God, we were enemies of God, even as we cursed his name, God loved us. His love remained. And he demonstrates all of, to all of us this love that while we were sinners, he does this amazing thing. Look at the action of his love. His love for us is shown in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Out of his love for sinners, he died for you. He died for me. First Peter talks about it this way. For Christ, he also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. Why? Because he wanted to bring us to God. Bring us to God. The righteous, perfect son of God. He died for you. He died for me. He died for us. 
in our sin. He died for us so that we might be brought back into relationship with God. Because of this amazing love of God, the Bible tells us that God, the God of the universe, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he wanted us to be brought back to him. And so out of that love, he let his son Jesus die for us, willingly gave his life up for us. You see this described in another portion of scripture. Listen to this. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God, again, he reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God, you who were his enemies, you who were separated from him by your evil thoughts and your evil actions. And yet now, And yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has now brought you into his own presence and you are holy and you are blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. That's an amazing passage. An amazing passage. It's describing a love. I, I, I have a mind that sometimes struggles to comprehend things. You want to struggle to comprehend something? I'm struggling to comprehend God's love in this passage. It is beyond what I can understand because, see, we were far from God. We were enemies of God, separated from God. But through the death of Christ, we have been brought into the presence of the Almighty, presented to him, oh my goodness, presented to him as holy, as blameless, without a single fault, all because of the love and the passion that the creator has for his creation. Amen. Amen. So God loves us just the way we are, and he shows his love by sending us his son, even while we were his enemies, showing his love for us just the way we were by sending his son to die for our sins. But life spring, this morning, that's not the end of the story. I mean, yes, he he demonstrates his love for us by sending his son to die for our sins, to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life. This is true, hallelujah. But our salvation, this moment of becoming holy and righteous and blameless without a single fault because of Jesus, this outpouring of God's love on us, this forgiveness of sins, it is not the end of the Christian story. God's love for sinners, listen, God's love for sinners, his gift of forgiveness for sinners, it is only the beginning of the story. If your salvation was the end, think about it. The moment you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you were forgiven of your sins, you would just be shot up into heaven and be with the Lord forever. But yet we understand that's not how it goes. Instead, when we become Christians, when we are given that new heart, when we're given that gift of the Holy Spirit, something amazing begins to happen. Instead of it being the end of the journey, don't you agree that it kind of feels like it's the beginning of the journey? As new creations, people who have been born again, who have been regenerated, we understand that at our conversion, it is the beginning of a beautiful journey of every day becoming a little bit more like Jesus Christ. After conversion, I mean, you remember what it was like, right? After conversion, your eyes are open, your ears are open, and you begin to see and hear God working on you and in you and through you like never before. He begins to mold you and shape you and change you and transform you. And anyone who has walked this Christian walk for any amount of time, you know that it's true. And you also know that saying is true, that God loves me just the way I am, hallelujah. But he also loves me too much to let me stay that way. And so after conversion, 
He begins to speak things into your life. God is speaking. I hope we understand that as Christians, God is speaking to us. If you're a Christian, you don't think God is speaking. He is speaking. He, he loves you. And, and, he's, and he's here even now. And I would say church is a wonderful opportunity for us to train our ears, you know, to be able to truly decipher and hear the voice of God in a place such as this. Because it, by his spirit, he begins to speak things to us. He begins to reveal things to us. Have you noticed that? He begins to shine light into areas that maybe we didn't want anyone to even shine light into. But that's who he is. He corrects things in our lives. And do you know why he does that? He does it all for our good and for his glory. He says, you know what? I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to begin to transform you for your good and for my glory. I'm going to change you to be who, you've desti- who I've destined you to be. Jeremy, I love what Jeremy talked about last Sunday. Jeremy shared a powerful portion of scripture. And I, I want to read it again this morning. I, uh, we, we just got to come alive with this one. It's kind of exciting. Because what it says, it says, now the Lord is the spirit. Do we believe that the Lord is spirit? Yeah. Now, we just sang a bunch of songs about the Lord is spirit. But do you know what it says? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There's freedom. Okay. So God, we believe you're here. We believe you're here in spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But it goes on, it says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So the spirit is here, but the spirit is also here. And where the spirit of the Lord is, church, there is freedom. Do you feel that? From deep within your gut that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And his spirit it now resides within us. And his spirit now radiates the glory of the Lord within us. And as we give him permission, his perfect spirit, he begins to have his way in our lives. And as he does, something amazing happens. From the inside out, something beautiful begins to be created where we are transformed day by day, moment by moment, minute by minute, into the image of Christ, all with increasing, intensifying glory, all because of the spirit who now resides within us. Don't you just love scripture? I mean, that is who we are in Christ. Increasing, transforming with intensifying glory of the Lord all within us. We're being transformed. Church, do you believe that you are being transformed? Another verse tells us that we're being conformed to the image of Christ. That we're actually changing. It's the idea that I am not the same today as I was yesterday. So the Christian walk, it it didn't end when we became believers in Jesus. No, in so many ways, our conversion is when it really begins to take off. It is the moment when you are launched into an amazing, exciting, grand adventure that we call the Christian life. I mean, don't you love being a Christian? Do you love being a Christian? I I love being a Christian. I was just talking to the group back there between services. Isn't it amazing? In a world full of despair, a world full of darkness, that I know that my God is still alive, and I know all of his promises are true that I find in the Bible, that I can trust in a God who is for me and not against me, that is working for my good. Isn't it just amazing to be a Christian? 2016, whatever day it is today, I am so happy to be alive, and I am so happy to be saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But as great as it is, we who have been walking with the Lord for a while, we know that after conversion, life is still full of challenges and obstacles. 
We still face temptations. We still face hardships and trials. We still run into trouble. We still walk through pain just like everybody else. But as Christians, we walk through this life with the Holy Spirit residing within us. And because of God's presence in us, Listen, we can be confident that regardless of what life throws at us, regardless of the situations or circumstances of life, by the power of God within us, we will face it all and go through it all knowing that we are becoming more like Christ each and every day. We are being transformed in the mighty name of Jesus. But it can be hard at times, right? I mean, we, let's be honest. It can be hard. Life punches us. Have you ever just been hit in the gut? By life, I prayed for a man after first service. He is going through something where he has just been hit in the gut by life. Now, I've heard some of your stories this past month. You're walking through serious and intense situations. But we are Christians. We are a people who do not lose hope. In fact, we believe that even in the ugliest of situations... And by the way, we're fools for this. Even other Christians mock us for this. But we have a confidence that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I can't tell you how many people have made fun of me or said, stop saying that scripture, pastor. I don't know what to tell you. It is the word of God, and I believe that it is true word of God, that we are a people who believe that God is working all things together for our good. All things for our good. So even the most evil, most horrific things, God can turn them for our good. And even the worst of tragedies and the most intense suffering by God's spirit, we can believe we are moving forward, being transformed and changed to become more like our Savior, regardless of what life throws our way. You know, and I love that fact about being a Christian, because don't you know, there is a devil no one wants to preach about the devil anymore. I mean, he's just like this archaic, ancient idea. But there is a devil who is very real, and he's here to discourage you and to defeat us. In fact, in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, hey, listen up, wake up, stop sleepwalking through life. You got to be alert, and you got to be of sober mind, because you know what? There is an enemy, the devil, and he is prowling around like a roaring lion, and he is looking for someone to devour. He is real, and he's not your friend. He is your enemy looking to devour you. He wants nothing more than your destruction. But yet the very next verse, verse 9, it says, you know, he's looking to devour you, brother and sister in Christ. He's looking to take you down. But you're going to stand firm against him, and you're going to be strong in your faith. James says you're going to resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. And this is so important because sometimes, don't you know, it kind of feels like Satan is having his way in this world. And if we're honest, sometimes it feels like maybe Satan's even having his own way in our lives. But Scripture, this is why the Bible is so important, Scripture tells us a different story. Do you know who wins? God wins. Jesus tells us in John, he says, here on earth you're going to have trials and you're going to have sorrows, but take heart, I win. I have overcome the world. In verse 10 of 1 Peter 5, Peter declares, he says, so after you have suffered a little while, after the devil has taken his best shots, do you know what God is going to do? God is going to restore you. God is going to support you. God is going to strengthen you. And he's going to place you on a firm foundation. So even when it feels like it's all crumbling down, when your world is falling apart, God tells us no. I am for you, not against you. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to turn it for your good. And even though you are walking through hell on earth, I will restore you. I will support you. I will strengthen you. I will place you on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, who has overcome the world. Hallelujah. 
church, be encouraged this morning. Satan cannot stop the powerful change that God wants to do in your life. I declare that in the name of Jesus. You know, I love James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Actually, to be honest, I hate it as well. But listen to what it says. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, oh, come on, God, are you serious? When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Isn't that a good word? Grow, active, change, grow. And then he says, let it grow. Let it grow when, when your endurance is fully developed. If you let it grow, when it's fully developed, this is what's going to happen. Look at this promise. You're going to be perfect. You're going to be complete, lacking and needing nothing. This verse is telling you you're going to walk through trials. You're going to walk through troubles. And as you walk through those things, we all understand you're not going to stay the same. You're going to change. But instead of those trials changing you in a way where they take you down and where they defeat you, instead you're going to be filled with joy. And you're going to change to become more like Jesus Christ. In fact, these verses tell you that the change that God is going to perform in you is so powerful, so supernatural, that when your endurance is fully developed, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be complete, needing nothing. Do you know who is perfect and complete? He has a name, and his name is Jesus. And so as you walk through this life, through the trials and hardships and pain and challenges of this life, you're going to change, and you're going to become more like Jesus, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He who began a good work in your life spring will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, God is in the business of transforming lives. His spirit, is, he's just really, really good at conforming people to the image of Christ. And he's not going to let Satan or anybody else or anything, any trial or hardship take you down. Instead, he's going to use it all to make you complete and perfect in Jesus. So as I was going through this, it, it, the question is, so does God cause all the bad things that happen in my life? All these trials, all, all this trouble, I'd say absolutely not. But yet, in his sovereignty, I've noticed that he sure allows a lot of things to happen. I mean, some of the things that he allows to happen, they just bring questions to my mind. Situations, circumstances that have unfolded in my life and in your lives, they just make me angry. I'm frustrated. I, I shout out in the middle of the night in anger. Sometimes I am overwhelmed with despair when I think of the situations and circumstances that my brothers and sisters are walking through. But life spring, in these moments, these moments of real humanity, what do we do? Well, I trust in a God who loves me more than I love myself. I trust in a God who knows me better than I know myself. And I trust in a God. I believe he's doing a good work in me and that he's going to be faithful to finish it. And this is when faith is so important. This is when faith rises up. Because in life, I mean, just count on it. You will walk through seasons where there are more questions than answers. But in these moments, this is when faith rises up. So as Christians, we take it all, right? We take the doubts and the questions and the concerns and the worries and the anxieties and we give it all to Jesus. We put our faith in God as the psalmist writes, but I trust in you, Lord, because you are my God. Faith. You know who had a lot of faith? The Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had a lot of faith. And do you know, Paul, his life, it wasn't so easy. 
Paul went through some trials. He went through some hardships. He went through extremely difficult situations. He was in prison. He was beaten. He was beaten so bad, the people who beat him thought that he was dead. When they left him, they thought they had killed Paul. And yet Paul has this tremendous faith in God. Paul actually believes in a God who is doing a good work in him, a good work through all the filth, through all the mess, through even the evil that was being done to him. He actually believed that God was working on his behalf, but through it all. It's an incredible faith that Paul has. In fact, you see his faith on display in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Look at this faith. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, he's talking about God, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work that is at work within us it's this incredible faith he actually believes in god he, he declares that god my god the god that i serve that he can do immeasurably more than i ask or imagine so much more so much more than i ask so much more than i imagine so much more let me say it again so much more i mean greater than we could ask or imagine so much more it's actually immeasurable that means it's off the charts what he can do I mean, is beyond what you could actually record. He does more than we could ever ask or imagine by his power that is at work within us. I love that part, right? Because sometimes like, I got to find the power of God. I got to go up to the mountain and find the power of God. I got to go dig a hole and get and find the power of God. No, he says, no, no, no. He can do immeasurably off the charts more than you could ever think or imagine. I mean, greater and bigger than you could ever imagine by the power of God that is working right in you, right there. Uh, the power of God on display in you with intensifying and increasing glory. Hallelujah. And the thing about it, the question for all of us is just with the mess of life, with the hardships of life, with the trials and the pain of life, are we going to give him permission to move in power? The kind of power, and this is scary stuff. I mean, I mean, it's easy to say, much harder to do. But are we willing to give him permission, his power permission to mold us, to change us, transform us, where we end up perfect and complete, not lacking anything, where we radiate the glory of the Lord, where people no longer see you, but people see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are we willing to let the Lord move in our lives in this way? It's a really good question. It's a serious question. Are we willing to let the Lord move in our lives in this way as you face the hardships, as you face the evil of your life? As a pastor once told me, he says, in these times, are you going to grow bitter or better? And I actually believe that most of us in this room, we want to grow better. Because come on, we've all tried at one point or another to live this life without yielding to the Holy Spirit. Remember what that was like when you didn't give the Holy Spirit permission to do nothing. And remember what happened? It was miserable. I mean, the things of this world, every situation, every circumstance, it would just hit you and it'd take you down. It would steal your joy. It would steal your love. It would steal your, even your attitude. Everything was spiraling down as you were unwilling to yield to the Lord and yield to the Spirit. But I think, at least the people I've been hanging around lately, I, I, I feel like it's just kind of like enough is enough. We're, we're done with that game. Game over. I, we're, we're ready for something new. I, I believe we are hungry for change. I, I believe as a church, as a body of believers, we no longer want to be destroyed by circumstances, but we want to be overcomers in Jesus Christ regardless of the circumstances. 
See, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And I believe that situations will arise. Situations will rise up. And they will give you an opportunity to grow in bitterness, to grow in hatred, to grow in depression, to grow in despair. But instead, I believe, church, we're going to rise up in faith and we're going to allow God to do a good work in us where his spirit is so alive in us, where his spirit is so welcomed in our lives that instead of growing in hatred, we're going to grow in love. In fact, we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit in increasing measure, just overflowing in our lives. We're going to see love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control being produced in our lives, just dripping with the fruit of the Spirit. I believe this, church. You know why I believe it? Because I'm already seeing it. I have been meeting with a lot of you this past month, and, and as I've been meeting with you, I see it. There is a desire. I, I've seen this again and again. There is a desire for your life to look, to smell, and to taste like Jesus. The passion, the change to be conformed into the image of Christ, all by the power of God which resides within you. But if this is the case, and I believe it is, then we need to allow him to do a good work in every part of us. Not just the parts we want him to work, but in every part. Ah, I don't know, right? And I want to close with this, because I believe it's important for us to hear this morning. I mean, I'm talking to myself here, too. We so desire control in our lives. And yet to truly change and to experience the change that the Holy Spirit is asking of us, we must be willing to give the control back to him. Because I've noticed even in our transformation, in this process of changing and becoming more like Christ, don't you know that we want to control how that looks? Have you noticed that in your own life, right? We want to decide when and where and how God is going to do his work. Like, God, you can work on my lust, but Lord, I want to keep my anger problem. You can work on my pride, but I want to keep that hurt that I have towards my spouse. You can work on my food addiction, but let me keep that unhealthy love of money. But if God is going to be in control... If we're going to change to be all that God has designed and created us to be, then we must be willing to give him control in every area. And I, get, I mean, there's some emotions mixed up with that. There's, there's some just real human stuff mixed up with that. And it's, and it's easy to say, much harder to do. But we must be willing to yield to him in areas that we have been unwilling to yield to anyone. And today I believe that the Holy Spirit, if we give him permission... If we give him permission to move, I believe that the Holy Spirit will move each and every one of us forward in our lives. But we have to give him permission, even in those hurtful, painful areas of life. But I believe as we yield to him, yield to a good God who is for us and not against us. I believe as we yield to him, a supernatural, powerful change will happen in every person in this room, all because Jesus loves us just the way we are. But don't you know he loves us too much to let us stay that way? Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's perfected workmanship, his, his masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. 
Listen, I don't know about you, but when I wake up and I look in the mirror every morning, I don't exactly see a masterpiece. You know, maybe a Picasso, you know, but, but uh, certainly not a masterpiece. But I want to be God's masterpiece. I want to be everything that God has created me to be. So every morning, this is what I pray. I say, God, do whatever it takes to get these things out of my life that don't need to be there. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can become your masterpiece. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, who are you? I'm God. <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, you, you said the prayer. You wanted me to come and mold you, and here I am. I'm God. Believe me, you're not God. I, I'm God. I promise you, I'm God. L listen, if you're God, why don't, why don't you do like a miracle for us? Why, why don't you make it snow inside this room? Yeah, I, I don't really want it to snow in here. I don't like the snow, and it gets kind of yucky. But you're not God. Why do you say that? Because God would never use a word like yucky. I do, and it's a Greek term. Okay, how about this? If, if you're God, then um, what, does, uh, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? <laughs> Lamentations only has five chapters. It's a really short book. Uh, how come it's so short? I was tired of lamenting. Okay, okay if you're God, then who's going to win the World Series this year? I could tell you, but I don't think you could handle it, and I know your pastor's heart couldn't handle it. So... <laughs> But the truth is, <laughs> he's so lucky I've already forgiven him. Yeah, yeah. The truth is, I'm really not into playing those kind of games with you anyway, but why is it that you're so into the games? You are God. What gave it away? Because you answered my question with a question. I did? Yeah. Uh, oh, there. I did, I did it, it again, yeah, didn't yeah, I? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, are we going to, you know, step right up here and just do this thing? Okay. Wait a second. What are, the, what are those things? Well, these are the tools that I use to, you know, create in you the original masterpiece, to work things out. Oh, okay. Wait a second. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Oh, are we going to? Okay. Wait, wait a second. So how, how do you know, like, what to take away and like what to leave. Well, I try to chisel away the things that are not of me, uh -huh. the things that do not work for your good. Okay. And, you know, cut away the dead weight. Ooh, speaking of that, could you like take out like a whole bunch like right here? Because like I've been doing a lot of work, like I even tried like Pilates, which was really awkward. But if you could like take a whole bunch out of here and like move it up here, and then like right here, if you could do like seven, eight lines, that would be awesome. <laughs> You're funny. You made me that way. Yeah. I also made the platypus. <laughs> hey, look, I'm just saying. I'm just saying when it comes to this process, most of my children want to be funny. They want to talk, but they don't really want to put in the work. So what's it going to be? Are we going to talk or chisel? Talk? No, chisel. Let's chisel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bring on the chisel. Okay. So I'm just going to invite the power of my Holy Spirit to come, and I'm going to ask him to continue every day in every detail to use different things. Mm -hmm. My words, 
music, friends, church, your pastor, all these things. Holy Spirit, would you reveal the places where, where my child needs? Like right here. There's this, this anger. I, I, and I created the emotion, but you so misuse it. Right here, this need to people please. And over here, you're so, so controlling at times. Right here, there's this problem you have with lust. Whoa, wait a minute. I do not have a problem with lust. You do not have a problem with lust. No, I'm pretty good at it, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, wait, wait. I'm just thinking that just, you know, maybe we can just like, you know, stop like right there for now. Like I'm doing, I'm pre doing pretty good. You're, you're doing pretty good. I love how you're doing. You're looking very good. But let me ask you this. When you look into the mirror, yeah. what do you see? Yeah, I see me. Then I need to keep chiseling. <laughs> Peter, when you look into the mirror and when others look at your life, I want them to see my son. Okay, but look, here's the thing. When I start to look more like Jesus, people get, you know, like uncomfortable around me. You know what I mean? Even some of my church friends are like, oh, Pete, Mr. Holier Than Thou, you can't go do that. So, oh, you're so holy. So what oh. you're saying is you would rather play God in some areas of your life than allow me to be God in every area of your life. I did not say that. That's what you were thinking. Yeah, it was what I was thinking, too. See, it's just a you're hard to talk to because, like, you know everything. You know what I'm already thinking. So I'm, I, all I'm saying is, can we just take a break for now and I'll just stay, like, right here? That's the problem. You never just stay right here. And this relationship can't be stagnant. You're either moving towards me or you're moving away from me. But this thing that you're doing here, this is common for all of us. This is what we call control. And my children love to control things. But I want to ask you, can, are you going to control or let me chisel. Control, chisel. Control. No, chisel. Chisel. Okay. But can like be like chisel where I want to chisel? That's control. <laughs> Are we ready? Yeah. <sighs> this right here Peter this is that that secret sin you've been running to this instead of to me for an awful long time when you're angry when you're hurt when you're tired when you're lonely when you're frustrated are you ready my son are you ready to let me chisel this out See, this is a process. It's a sprint. It's not a marathon. You need to understand that for far too long you've been listening to other voices in your life. And those are rubbish. They're garbage. There's really only one voice I ever want you to hear, and that's the voice. Focus on my voice. Focus on the voice that will someday say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the prize. It's heavenward. It hurts. 
I know it hurts, but it hurts me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't think you understand this pain. I don't understand. Pardon me? You're just asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Sacrifice, yeah. Like the son that I sent. A sacrifice for your sin, a sacrifice for your pain, a sacrifice for all of this. But I sent him for more reasons than that, too. I sent him for your freedom. I sent him to give you liberty from all of this. You can't see this as a prison. You can't see this as, are, these are not things in your life that happen to you. These are things in your life that happen for you. A father disciplines the children that he loves. And I love you. I want you to let me produce character in the areas of your life where you're focused more on your image. Okay, I was just thinking. and it, That's know. the problem, is your thoughts are not my thoughts. Well, maybe there's a different way. Your ways are not my ways. Okay, look. I can't. What, what do you mean? Be good. I can't be good. That's your excuse. You can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. I can't be good. I looked back and I said, it is good. I made you good. You are good. I don't make junk. You've been listening to too many voices for far too long. Listening to too many voices. And I don't know, you get them in your head, and, and at the end of the day, when you lay your head down at night, and you've done the dance all day long to get the hug, you just seem to forget. You are good. It is good. I do not make junk. How can I show you that my love for you is unconditional, that my love for you reaches as far as the east is from the west? How can I... You know, Peter, reach into your back pocket. What? Reach into your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? <laughs> Reach into your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? <laughs> I meant, God, I'll do that right now. Yeah, you were just saying my name in vain again. Listen, it's just a name. It's just a saying. It's not just a name. Not just a saying. It's the name above all names. It's the name that speaks to you. It's the name that names you. It's how can I show you that my name is unconditional love and reverence? your back pocket. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what that is? It's a, it's a journal I wrote way back in college. How did you get this? Hello. <laughs> Go ahead. Read it. I love Monica Funko. <laughs> the other side. Oh. I married her, by the way. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know that I've messed up so many times, did I hear you say that you want to use me, that I feel so useless? If you'll take me and use me, God, I'll give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. And I love you too. And I love you too much to leave you like this. 
Look, I know it's going to be tough. In this world, there will be trials, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want your salvation to not be this one-time thing that happened so long ago, and I don't want it to be spurts of emotion that gush up from time to time and sentiment. I want it to be worked out in your life, and I want it to work out every day and every detail of your life for your good. It's going to be hard. I know it's hard. But you bought into that lie that somehow it's supposed to be easy just because you gave everything to me. That doesn't make it easy. My word tells you there will be chaos, there will be trouble in this life, but I come, I say it again, to overcome the world. Trust in me. I want to work out these details in your life because I love you. In fact, I want you to do me a favor. As a declaration, as a reminder, I want you to look out there and I want you to say, I believe. I want you to say that Peter is God's masterpiece. Peter's God. No, no, I don't want you to say it like you say it when you see yourself. And I don't want you to say it like this image you have in your head about how others see you. I want you to know and believe how I see you. I want you to say it and declare it the way that I created you. Peter is God's original masterpiece. Yes. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't create junk. You are God's original masterpiece. Church, would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we, we trust and believe that you're here. And we know that the Spirit of God is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But God, for so many of us in this moment, we choose to surrender and yield to your Spirit. The power of your Spirit. There might be some of us who have heard these words and And we're not in a place today to be able to receive them. But there's others of us, this pierces our hearts and speaks to the depths of our souls. That God, it is time to wave the white flag, to give up, to surrender. And once again, let your mighty power be on display in our lives. Changing us, transforming us into that original masterpiece, work of art. That it is good. You made good work when you made us. And so if that's you this morning, there's a lot of things in this world that we cannot trust, that we cannot have confidence in. But if that's you this morning, you can have confidence that the Holy Spirit is here. He is with us and he loves you. And he is faithful to finish the good work that he started in you. 
that God right now you are here and your love is being poured out on this place your love is being poured out on your sons and your daughters upon your kids that daddy God is here and his love is great and out of your love for us you will we can have confidence you will change us to be more like your son Jesus and so even now just let the Lord do the work the work that only he can do and we're going to sing a song and as we sing this song maybe you've sung it a thousand times but this might be the first time you've sung it where you've actually said God I'm giving you permission to mold me to melt me to fill me to use me to change me that there might be glory in and through my life the glory of the Lord might shine in and through my life.